When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in another very special edition of What's Right with Nick Wright as we continue our countdown of the 50 greatest players of the last 50 years in the NBA. We are already now to the top seven. Last week, we did number eight, Akeem Olajuwon, number nine, Shaquille O'Neal. The top seven, you guys know who the seven guys are, obviously. The question is, in what order will they come? Number seven is a guy whose apex was one of the five best apexes we've seen in NBA history. So why is he number seven and not higher? Came into the league a little old, left the league a little early. But while he was there, from the moment he stepped on the court, was one of the best players in the league and stayed like that for a full decade. Number seven, Larry Bird. So here's Larry Bird, top line of the resume. Nine time first team All-NBA, one time second team All-NBA. He is a three-time MVP, and those MVPs came in three consecutive years. The only person eligible for this list to win three MVPs in a row. The only others to do it ever are Wilt and Russell, and those guys are too old for the list. By the way, from his rookie year to 1988, he was top four MVP voting all nine seasons. And the way it went for him was, He had three straight second-place finishes, followed by three straight first-place finishes. So from a six-year stretch of 81 to 86, not only did his team win the title, well, two of the, from the 1980 finals, how about that? 1980 finals to the end of the 86 season, Larry Bird collected three league MVPs, two finals MVPs, three second-place finishes, and three championships. It's three-time All-Defense. He invented the 50-40-90 club, and he did it twice, and he's one of only three guys in the last 50 years to average at least 24-10 and 10 for his career. The other two are Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Karl Malone. Everyone remembers Larry Bird, the iconic scorer, the, you know, the first true great deep shooter of any era because he came into the league around the advent of three-point line Didn't shoot, you know, 10% as many threes as guys shoot today. But he was the first star player that it was truly a weapon for. What I think younger folks don't understand is, was an exceptional rebounder. Averaging 10 rebounds a game for his career. And one of the greatest passers ever. His court vision was, in the 80s, surpassed only by Magic and Isaiah. That's it. So that's Larry Bird top line resume stuff. Now we will get to the playoffs as we do with everybody on this list. At this point of the list, we must go year 
by year by year. So in the playoffs, again, top line, three-time champ, two-time finals MVP, five-time finalist. So let's just start with his rookie season. 1980, his rookie year. To close out his first playoff series ever, 34, 10, and 7 to beat Moses Malone and Houston. That is his first playoff series ever, 34, 10, and 7. He averaged 22, 14, and 4 in a round two loss to Dr. J in Philly and had 31 and 12 in the Celtics' only win of that series. So that's Larry Bird. Couple interesting things that you're going to hear there. One is wait, Houston was in the East. They were in the East. There were some weird geographical alignments in the early 80s. But also, the guy averaged it, it, 22, 14, and four as a rookie in round two against Dr. J. 1981, his first championship. How does he get there? We already mentioned uh, guys on this list that were on that team Kevin McHale, but McHale was barely a contributor on this team. Tiny Nate Archibald was an important contributor on this team, but the best player on this team without question was Larry Bird. With respect to Cedric Maxwell, who we'll get to, well, we won't get to on the list, but was an important part of the finals. 1981, averages 24-13-7 and in a round one sweep of Chicago. In the Eastern Conference Finals, again, against Philly, the team that knocked him out last year, year two Larry Bird averages in the Eastern Conference Finals, 27-13-5, and five, avenging the previous year's loss, beating Philly in seven games. By the way, and this is one of my favorite sliding doors moments in NBA history, they're down 3-1 in that series. They come back and win game five, six, and seven. And if you remember our Dr. J discussion, the Celtics won games five, six, and seven by a combined five points. They won those games by two, one, and two. If they don't win those games, one of those games, Dr. J probably has an extra ring. Larry maybe only has two, and he's thought of quite differently. So those were critical moments. He's in year two. How did they win them? Game five, Larry Bird had, facing elimination, 32, 11, 5, 3, and 2. Game six, he had 25, 16, 4, 2, and 2. And game 7, 23, 11, 5, 5, and 2. And then game 6 of the finals against Moses and Houston with the title on the line had 27, 13, and 5. Averaged for the series 15, 15, and 7. Did not win finals MVP. I think that's a pretty questionable one for Larry not to have won it, but he didn't. 1982. Philly got him back. Dr. J was, at this moment, I think, still a better player than Larry Bird. Dr. J was on the downswing, and Larry was on the upswing. But still, Dr. J got him back. Bird averaged for the series 18 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. They lose in 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals. 1983, remember Sidney Moncrief earlier on the list when I said most underrated player of the 80s? He was swept by Sidney Moncrief in Milwaukee in Round 2. For the playoffs that, that year, 21 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists for the playoff averages. And now, we're to the stretch of the three straight MVPs. 1984, wins league MVP. For the playoff run as a whole, 28 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists on 52% shooting. Round 2 against the Knicks and Bernard King, another guy on our list, averages 30, 11, and 7 
including the playoff game of his life up to that point. Game seven against the Knicks in round two. Larry Bird had 39 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. In that series, he scored 35 plus three times. The next round got revenge on Moncrief and the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then in the finals against Magic and Kareem and the Lakers, 29 and 21, a 29 point, 21 rebound game down to one in game four to even the series. Followed that up with a 34.17 rebound game to go up 3-2. And they win the title in seven. He's finals MVP. They have two overtime wins in that series. So that's one that, man, another sliding. So two of his first three titles easily could have gone the other way. He averages for the finals 27, 14, and four. 1985, as the defending champs, averages. Pardon me, 35, 11, and 6 in round one in a sweep of Cleveland. Again, he's the defending champ, comes into the playoffs, league MVP again, averages 35 and 11 with six assists in round one against Cleveland. Against Isaiah and the Pistons in round two. Game two, to go up 2-0, 42 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. And then 43, 13, and 5, to go up 3-2 in a critical game five, they would win in six. They dismantled the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals, but that Lakers team in 85, nobody was beating them. The Lakers crush them. And well, crush them is unfair. Uh, the Lakers won the series in six games. Bird, though, acquitted himself quite nicely. 24 points, nine rebounds, five assists. 1986, then we get there. What many people, not me, but many people consider the best team ever. It's his third straight league MVP. He's going to finish it with another finals MVP. They, sw- they, they sweep the Bulls in round one. Uh, you know who's on that Bulls team, right? Michael Jordan. They swept him in round one. And in Jordan's famous 63-point double overtime game, Larry had 36 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. They beat Dominique in Atlanta in round two, including 20, while averaging 27 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. They sweep Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals. He averages 27 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, two steals. So they're 11 and one en route to the finals. In those finals, they're playing Houston. Remember Akeem from last week? We talked about the Houston team that also had Ralph Sampson. He averages in the finals 24 points, 10 rebounds, nine assists. Is two total assists shy, I think it was two, of averaging a triple double for the finals, something only LeBron would do later in you know, NBA history. He has 29 and 12 in game six to win the title. So that's the end of his championships. It's not the end of his great playoff moments. 1987 sweeps Jordan again in round one. Seems relevant. 32, 14, and six to finish off that sweep. To open round two against Moncrief and Milwaukee. 40 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists, four steals. And then to go up 3 2 or 3 1 in that series. 42, 7, and 8 in a double overtime victory. And then in game seven against Milwaukee, 31, 10, and 8. So think about this for a moment. They win the title in 1984. They lose in the finals in 1985. They win the title in 1986. Bird is league MVP all three years, finals MVP twice. Then in 1987, seemingly exhausted, he has a sweeps Jordan in round one. Goes seven in round two against a very good Milwaukee team. Is a monster in the critical games of the series. 
opens the series with a 40-point game. Uh, it has another 40-point game to go up 3-1. Then, when they lose games 5 and 6 in game 7, has 31-10-8 and eight to move on to face Detroit. Against Detroit, they're tied with the Pistons, 2-2, averages 36-10-7 in the final three games to win that series in seven, including in game seven, 37-9-9. So that is four straight trips to the finals in a period where he's winning all the league MVPs. In the finals, once again, the Lakers were too much. Bird, though, played well again, 24-10-6 for the finals. And that's kind of the end of the road for Boston. It's not the end of the road for Bird. Bird has a few other massive moments. 1988, Detroit beats them after a, that seven-game war with Dominique, including the, the that's the Dominique's most famous game, the Game 7 loss to Larry, where Larry scored 20 in the fourth quarter and they move on. Uh, but Detroit was too much for him. And then in 1989, it, he has bone spurs and back issues, and that's basically the end. So the reason Bird can't be higher is it's really just a 10-year run. But what an unbelievable 10-year run. For his career, 24-10-7 and in the playoffs. The only other person to average, he averaged 24-10-7. and The only other person in playoff history to average 20-10-5 and is Giannis. Giannis, by the way, I think one day will probably supplant Larry Bird, pass Larry Bird, but hasn't yet. Larry Bird your seventh greatest player of the last 50 years. Let's go to some Larry Bird callers before we move on. Hey, Nick, I was just uh, doing a quick Danny Ainge contribution ride where I think about all the things that Danny has contributed to the NBA, and it got me thinking about Larry Bird. I saw you have Larry Bird at seven on your top 50 list. Seven. Really? There are six guys better than Larry Bird. You have Luca Legend at 20. How do you only have Larry Legend at 7? Larry's just like Luca, but a much better defender. Plus, besides Danny Ainge, Larry Bird never had a top 20 guy with him. I mean, Magic, Magic had Kareem and Kobe had Shaq. Who did Larry Bird have? I got to get back to my contribution ride, but <sighs> Larry at 7. Want to hear one of my favorite Larry Bird stories? Good, because I'm going to tell it to you. The end of a long road trip. Portland Trailblazers coming up on the schedule. Larry Bird turns to his teammates and says, You know what, fellas? I'm going to play tomorrow left-handed. And wouldn't you know it, he does. Goes out there and scores 47 points. Not all of them left-handed, but a lot. Then the other day, I saw a video of Larry Bird signing autographs with his left hand. Larry Bird is left-handed. Ruined a memory. I wasn't there. I was eight. But it was on the Larry Bird VHS tapes, and I've incorporated that into my memory bank. So, Nick, did this ruin an all-time great Larry Bird story? Not my telling of it. The idea that he's left-handed. No, let me respond to Wilds and then Jenna. Larry Bird, much like a a couple other all-time greats, LeBron James and myself, Writes left-handed, but plays sports right-handed. Is right-hand dominant, but writes and probably eats left-handed. So he is right-handed. He played that game left-handed. He had a lot of legendary stuff. It didn't make, you know, it's not one of the reasons he's top seven all-time, but the three-point contest thing was pretty legendary. Hell, the McDonald's horse commercials with Jordan from the early 90s, those were pretty legendary. Now, as far as Jenna's point, 
that he didn't have another all-all-timer alongside him. That's true. What's also true, though, is he had Tiny Nate Archibald for ring one, and McHale was there. McHale wasn't great. He had Parrish for basically the entirety of it. He had Walton in 86 along with McHale. He, he, it's not like he didn't have excellent teammates. Those Celtics teams were great, even though they didn't have another super-duper star. But, I mean, McHale was, you know, top 35 on our list. Pretty damn good. And so I think that that is, I think seven is perfectly fair to him, especially when you think of the six guys who are ahead of him. Number seven on the list, Larry Bird. Number six on the list is a guy, handful of guys who played against him say, no, I, I actually think he's one of the two greatest players ever. We'll discuss him next. What's right? What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. All right, welcome back in. What's Right with Nick Wright, special edition as we count down the 50 greatest players of the last 50 years. And we are now to the top six. We just did Larry Bird at number seven. And number six is a guy who everyone has an opinion of, And I think even though we all watched his entire career, I think because it overlapped with LeBron, who has all the longevity records and is going to end with all the totals records, the overall longevity and raw numbers of this player, it's almost forgotten by some, not to mention the fact, oh yeah, he won five championships. You probably, well... I guess I could be talking about one of two guys because there are two guys yet to be named on this list whose career overlapped with LeBron, whose raw numbers are unbelievable, and who won five championships. And it's going to be hotly contested who should be ahead of who. Well, I guess we're about to find out. Number six, Kobe Bryant. So Kobe Bryant's totals and frontline resume stuff, let's just get right to it. 11-time first-team All-NBA That is the second most ever, tied for the second most ever, behind only LeBron. Two-time second-team All-NBA, two-time third-team All-NBA, 15 total All-NBA teams. That, again, is tied for the second most ever, behind only LeBron. Now, he only has the one league MVP, but 11 times he finished in the top five. 
So 11-time first-team All-NBA, 11 top-five MVP finishes. He is 12-time All-Defense. He is a two-time scoring champ, including a season where he averaged 35 points per game. He has the fourth-most points in NBA history. And some of these numbers here are just bananas. He scored at least 30 431 times in his career. That is five and a half full seasons of 30-point games. That's the fifth most ever. He scored at least 40 122 times in his career. That is the third most ever. He scored at least 50 25 times in his career. That is the third most ever. He scored at least 60, six times in his career. That is the second most ever. He has obviously the second most points in a game ever, the 81-point game against Toronto. And then he also has the game against Dallas where he scored 63 points through three quarters. And they asked him, you didn't want to go for 70, try for 80? He's like, no, I'll do that another time. And he did it a few weeks later. So that's the regular season stuff. It's jarring. The postseason stuff, a lot of great, some a little bit of bad. And Kobe versus Duncan is going to be contested, obviously, by virtue of the fact that I haven't put said Duncan's name yet. He's ahead of him. One of the deciding factors is Duncan doesn't have as many tough playoff moments as Kobe. I'm not even holding the teenage Kobe stuff against him, but I don't want to focus on Kobe's tough playoff moments. Instead, six race players the last 50 years. Over these next 10 minutes, I want to focus on mostly his great playoff moments. He's obviously a five-time champion, a seven-time finalist, and a two-time finals MVP. And just like he has the fourth most regular season points ever, he has the fourth most playoff points ever. But let's do it like we've done it for everybody year by year. So 1997, he's 18 years old, 18 years old. And in round one, he has a 22-point game. 1998, he's 19 years old, also has a 22-point game, but that's about it. Again, he's a literal teenager. You can't hold any, uh, he wasn't that good in that round. Hey, LeBron came in the league as a teenager, didn't make playoffs first couple of years. We don't know how he would have done. Not fair. But now we will get to his actual playoffs. 1999, finally a starter, because those first two years he also wasn't a starter. He's playing real minutes and averages. As a 20-year-old in 1999, 20 points, seven rebounds, five assists for the playoffs. They get to round two. 2000. His first time in the playoffs as a star, and he played like it. In the playoff run, the run to the championship, Kobe Bryant averaged 21 points, four rebounds, four assists. He was the unquestioned second best player on a dominant champion. He had three 30-point games in round one against Sacramento. He, had, he was obviously the passer on the historic Kobe to Shaq lob in game seven against Portland including in that game, 25 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. Again, this is Kobe Bryant at 21 years old on a run to the finals. And here's something that Kobe fans remember, but I think a lot of other folks don't. Game four of the finals. So Kobe misses game three with an injury that he suffered in game two. He's back in game four. That game goes to overtime. The series is only 2-1. Shaq fouls out. Kobe scores eight points in OT, finishes with 28 for the game, and they go up 3-1, obviously go on to win the championship. Uh, And by the way, in game six, 
the title-clinching game, 26 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. 2001, though, was when he fully arrived as a top-five player. That playoff run in 2001. In the playoff run, he averages 29 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. He's 22 years old. Round two against Sacramento, game three, 36-7-4. and four. And in game four, to finish off the sweep, plays all 48 minutes and has 48-16. and 48-16, and 16, 22 years old, to finish off the sweep of the Kings. Uh, averages for the series 35 points, nine rebounds, four assists. Opens the next round. So he closed out Sacramento with 48. Opens the next round with 45 and 10. So that's 93 points in consecutive playoff games for the 01 Lakers. To eliminate the Spurs that round, he has 36, 9, and 8. In the finals, he scores 30 th- twice. Averages for the finals 25, 8, and 6. The Lakers are 15 and 1 that playoffs. Some people think it's the greatest team ever. He was dominant, utterly dominant. He's 22 years old. He was their second best guy. Like, we, if you want to know why, well, the man, how good was Shaq during that run? Well, go look. The Shaq numbers are cartoonish during these three years, but that shouldn't overshadow what Kobe did. 2002, going for the three-peat, opens the playoffs with the 34-point game. For the playoffs, averages 27-6-5. and five. They're kind of coasting until the Western Conference Finals against the Kings, down 3-2. In that famous game six, everybody knows the officiating, not great. But it, but in the famous game six, he has 31-11-5. And, and game seven, the OT game, the game where Peja airballed what should have been the game winner, he plays 52-and-a-half of 53 minutes and scores 30-10-7. They needed every last bit of it to get back to the finals. In the finals, which they were, they, they had no chance. New Jersey was drawing dead against them. He averages 27, 6, and 5, including the key game of those finals was game three. You're up 2-0. Is it going to be serious? Is it not? Kobe has 36, 6, and 4. They win their third straight title. So that's Kobe Bryant. He's 23 years old. He's three-time champion. Now, I haven't won a finals MVP because Shaq, again, refer to the Shaq video. All he did over those three years in the finals was average 36 and 16. But Kobe had a key moment in 2000 to win the championship, the game Shaq fouled out of. In 2001, he was utterly fantastic. Back-to-back 45-plus point games and then kicked ass in the finals. And 2002, you could argue I, that he was, I don't think he was, but one could argue at that point he was third best player in the league. You could argue it was Shaq, Duncan, Kobe. That's how good he was. So now let's go to 2003. They're going for four in a row. Obviously, no one's won four in a row since Russell Celtics. Nobody had been to four straight at that point in time since Bird Celtics, right? Or the the Celtics and the Lakers in the 80s did it. He's going for four in a row. For the playoffs, he averages 32-5-5 in 2003. That's the first playoffs he outplays Shaq. He averages 32-5-5 for the playoffs. He opened the playoffs with 39 Five and eight. Round two against San Antonio. He scores 35 four times, but they lose in six. In that playoff run, by the way, Shaq and Kobe combined per game 60 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists. 
The rest of the Lakers, though, were not up to the task. That was, you know, Spurs were better. Spurs deserved to win. So instead of, you know, going for a fourth straight, they're out in round two to San Antonio. The team was gassed. 0-4. They're down 2-1 to the defending champion Spurs in round two. Kobe has 42-6-5. That's his first 40-point game since the back-to-back ones in the playoffs, that is, that we just talked about in 0-1. He gets back to the finals, beating Garnett and Minnesota in the Western Conference Finals. They lose to Detroit, and if we're being fair, he has a rough finals. He has one good game in their one win, 33-4-7, but for the finals, averages 23 points, three rebounds, four assists on just 38% shooting, and now Shaq's gone. And now it's a bit of a wasteland for a little bit. 05, they missed the playoffs in the middle of his prime. Not great. 06, this is a weird one. Because the 06 first round has a couple of his best moments and then his arguably worst moment of his career. So 06 first round against Phoenix game four. He hits a layup to end regulation and force overtime and a buzzer beater in overtime where he does the famous Michael Jordan pantomime fist pump celebration. That puts them up three games to one. Game five, they lose. Game six, Kobe scores 50. 50 points, eight rebounds, five assists. But they lose in overtime. Game seven is the rough moment. He's angry about game six. He scores 50 and they lose. He scores 23 in the first half, but only had one assist in that first half, and they're down 20, they're down by 15. Something happened in halftime in the locker room about Kobe needing to pass more. So in the second half of that game, he refuses to shoot. In the second half of a game seven of a series, they were up 3-1 in, where Kobe had a buzzer beater to win a game, a 50-point game and a loss. Second half, he takes three shots, scores one point on a technical free throw, and they lose by 20-plus. So now it's Shaq's gone. You missed the playoffs out in round one. Now we're to 07. Phoenix again in round one, down 0-2. Kobe keeps them alive by scoring 45-6-6, and but they lose in five anyway. Kobe averaged 33-5-4. and Then there's the career crossroads. The famous, you know, he went on Stephen A. Smith's radio show, floated that he wanted to be traded, trashed some of his teammates in that, in that parking lot video, and the Lakers don't trade him. Instead, they trade for Powell, and now boom. Kobe finally has a legitimate team around him, and what do they do? They make three straight finals. 49-4-10 in game two of a round one sweep of Carmelo and AI in Denver. Averages 33-7-7 in round two against Utah, scoring at least 33 in five of the six games. 39 points to get back to the finals and close out the Spurs. Again, the defending champion Spurs. In the finals, averages 26-5-5, including 36-7, but Boston wins in six. Averaged 36-6 for the playoffs. 30.6 rebounds, six assists. But he's back in the finals, and obviously the next two years they would win the title. Again, his long career, we got to go year by year on it. 9 for the playoff run, averages 30 points, five rebounds, six assists. In round one, game four against Utah, 38 and six to go up 3 1. 40 point game in game two of round two against Houston. That was a weird series. That Houston team had no business taking the Lakers seven, but they did, but the Lakers won in seven, obviously. Magnificent 
in the Western Conference Finals against Carmelo. Carmelo's best and only real chance to make the finals. Averaged 34, 6, and 6. Had two 40-point games and a game of 35, 6, and 10 in those Western Conference Finals. He opens the finals with 40 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. He averages 32 points per game for the series for his first finals MVP. And I would argue, and I think most people would argue, the, the most important ring of his career up to that point. It tied Shaq. That was a real rivalry at that point in time. It proved you could win it without Shaq. But did Kobe Bryant rest? Oh, no, of course not. Kobe Bryant won the type to rest. Very next year, they win it again. So in round one, they're playing the Young Thunder. He has 32-7-3 to beat OKC in game, in game six. That was the Pal tip-in game. That's another sliding doors moment. If Pal doesn't get that tip-in, that thing goes seven. Does OKC knock out the defending champ Lakers? I don't know, but they don't. Kobe has 32-7-3. They get they escape in round one against OKC. Round two, they sweep Utah. Kobe scores 30 in all four games, or at least 30. Opened the Western Conference Finals with 45-5 and five against Phoenix. Averages 34-7-8 for the series to get to his third straight finals. Second time in his career has been to three straight finals. Won his second straight finals MVP. Averages 29-8-4 and four for the series. And yes, we all know he was 6 of 24 in Game 7. But the idea that someone else should have been Finals MVP that year when he averaged 29, 8, and 4 was nuts. So from 08 to 2010, made the Finals all three years, won two titles. His playoff averages across those three years, 30 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. And then it's basically over. 2011, he swept by Dallas in Round 2, averages 23 points for the playoffs. 2012, he has one final burst in him. Final three playoff games of his career, playing the Thunder of 2012, the Thunder that would go on to the finals. He has 36, 7, and 6, 38, 8, and 5, and four is 42.5 rebounds, zero assists in his final playoff game ever, which is a little fitting in a good way, similar to Kobe's final regular season game ever being the iconic 60-point game. And so that's the career. So 88 career 30-point playoff games. That is the third most ever, find only MJ and LeBron. 13 career 40-point playoff games. That's the sixth most ever. And a career playoff average of 26-5-5 and for the sixth greatest player of the last 50 years. The great, the late great Kobe Bryant. Let's go to some Kobe, a Kobe Bryant caller before we wrap it up. Kobe at number six. Fun fact about Kobe Bryant. He's the only player in the top 10-ish discussion who won multiple championships without a top 75 teammate. He, when he won his last two with Pau Gasol, Gasol did not make the top 75. That puts Kobe in a class by himself in regards to championships. Michael, LeBron, uh, Shaq, Kareem, you can go on and on. None of them won multiple titles without a top 75 teammate like Kobe did. Props. Nick, appreciate you having me on the podcast, bro. You know, over your career, I've had a lot of takes that I have vehemently disagreed with, but none more than you saying that Kobe is on this list of greatest players to never be the best player in the NBA. And I'm just trying to imagine a world where, let's just take Luka Doncic, who you have top 20 on this list. 
uh, starts a three-year run next year where he wins a league MVP, goes to three straight NBA finals, wins two championships, two finals MVPs. Just me trying to imagine you going on first things first and not declaring he's the best player in the world. You know and I know it would not happen, which is so fascinating because that is exactly what Kobe did from 2008 to 2010. So, yes, he was the best player in the league, and I get LeBron historically is better and, and was, took that torch from him. But in those three years, he was the best player in the league, and you got to give him some love for that. So that's a small little correction you got to make. But appreciate you having my big dog high on this list. RIP to the Black Mamba. Okay, so I want to comment on what Ty said there because I, what Ty is referring to is something I've said in the past I did not say in that video, which was I have said the prestigious make-believe best player alive title belt that it has only ever been held in NBA history by the following people. Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain in the 60s, Kareem almost the entirety of the 70s, Moses Malone briefly, late 70s to early 80s, Larry Bird in the mid-80s, Magic Johnson after that, Michael Jordan, obviously, in the early 90s, Akeem Olajuwon, then back to Jordan. After Jordan that time, it was Shaq, then Duncan. This is the part Ty gets upset about. Then LeBron to Giannis. He argues that it went Duncan to Kobe to LeBron. I, he makes the point he makes that from 08 to 10, the guy I have as the best player alive, LeBron won zero championships. Kobe won two of them. I understand that, that part of it. My issue is I think LeBron became the best player in the NBA in 2007 at 22 years old when he carried that team to the NBA finals with the 48 special against Detroit. Now, some would say, Nick, you're biased towards LeBron. I don't think I am, but so be it. I will. The addendum I would have is this. If LeBron didn't actually become the best player in the league until 2010, then it would be Kobe Bryant. Either way, there's a lot of guys on our list, on our top 50, on, in our top 15, Durant, Steph, that also have not been best player alive. Hell, there's, I'm trying to, I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, I'm trying to think other guys that would be on here. They're super high. Isaiah Thomas, the top 15 guy, never best player alive. So it's, it wouldn't be bad company, but I understand what Ty is saying. Also, though, I mentioned Duncan being the best player. We are also now to the top five. We have not said Tim Duncan's name, and we just did Kobe's name, which means by definition, I have Duncan ahead of Kobe. Duncan will be coming up shortly on this list. It will cause massive consternation from folks that I have Duncan ahead of Kobe. We will discuss that to wrap the show as another special episode of What's Right with Nick Wright, the 50 greatest players the last 50 years, continues right after this. All right, welcome back in. What's Right with Nick Wright, the special edition, 50 greatest players of the last 50 years. We just gave you number six, Kobe Bryant. So that means the five people left on the list, and I'll try to just say them alphabetically, would be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I got to think of who they are and how the alphabet works. LeBron James, Magic Johnson. Oh, no, I I forgot how the alphabet works. Uh, Michael Jordan and Tim Duncan. Those are your five guys. There is a lot of a hotly contested debate is Kobe or Duncan. We have a caller that wants to chime in on that and might give you a little sneak preview into some of our Duncan stuff coming up in the weeks ahead. 
Here's the call. Hey, Nick. Um, so you don't know me, but uh, after I saw your list that came out, um, I had to hit my Rolodex and find someone who did know you so that they could deliver this video of me telling you how off your rocker you are for ranking Tim Duncan ahead of Kobe Bryant. Now, yes, they both have five NBA championships, so it's pretty close, but I just want to remind you of the situation that Kobe was walking into. He had to win that first three championships with Shaquille O'Neal, who constant battles between who is number one of that team, whose team it was, um, you know, which ended in Shaq leaving for the Heat. Um, and then Kobe, you know, was he done? Did he need Shaq? No, he didn't. What he did was he won one with Andrew Bynum and with Meta World Peace, two of them, as a matter of fact. So let's compare that to Tim Duncan, who just kind of just moseyed himself into the league and won those, but with a well-respected organization that rarely has any drama led by the greatest coach of all time, Greg Popovich. So let's look at that stability versus all the hurdles that Kobe Bryant had to overcome to have the same amount of championships. Okay, listen, I'm not going to use this time to tear down Kobe. I was called the sixth greatest player the last 50 years. But that's some of the most revisionist history I've ever heard. Uh, the, the idea that Kobe won the two championships with Bynum and Metal World Peace and did not mention Pal Gasol's name is crazy. To, to say that Duncan had this massive advantage of a great coach in Greg Popovich when Kobe's coach for all of his championships was Phil Jackson is, is outrageous. And to act like going to a team with Shaquille O'Neal was a detriment as opposed to a guaranteed finals berth which gave Kobe so much of the experience. And as we just discussed, how great he was, particularly in the 01 and 02 finals. It's just nonsense. They just total and utter revisionist history nonsense. I'm not saying it's nonsense to say you think Kobe's ahead of Duncan. I obviously disagree. But that, the, the, those arguments fall on deaf ears to me. Tim Duncan will be showing up shortly in our series. And I think I might be able to prove to America why having him as one of the five best players of the last 50 years is not an overreach at all. We'll talk to you guys about that next week as we continue our countdown of the 50 greatest players of the last 50 years on What's Right.